Oh, my word. This conversation, you're going to love this episode. Uh, So here's just a quick behind the scenes with Lyndon, who does get a mention in the podcast. And uh, I can't even remember what we said. Now I'm concerned. (laughs) I have just finished this conversation with Shamsa and she's, you know, jumped back into her day. But wow, we just stepped out of everything else that's going on and connected about like a whole lot of things that, you know, we've been thinking about that we're working on. And this is kind of like just an introduction to Shamsa Lee. So we're going to have her LinkedIn profile in the show notes and uh, we'll be sharing this everywhere. I just want to, I just want everyone to know this extraordinary woman that I am so grateful has stepped into my world many years ago and continues to have a, an increasing impact. And it was just really a heart-to-heart conversation. And Shamsa listens to the podcast also. And it's not a prerequisite, of course, for my guests, but it's like so delightful <laughs> to discover halfway through the podcast that, uh, that they're a regular listener. So I would say in a nutshell, Shamsa is a huge difference maker, a beautiful soul, and a very switched on woman. So let's not waste any time. Jump into this podcast. Take notes. Uh, we're going to put more things in the show notes so you can follow up. It doesn't matter if you're doing big stuff in the world or small things that can have a big impact. I think all of our listeners will find this one super encouraging. One of the very strong First Nations leaders in my life today said, Shamsa, stop using the word ally. It makes you sound like you're some Western Melbourne hippie. Use the word accomplice because, you know, we're going to be achieving these things together and we need you as an accomplice. And I, I was like, yes, I love that. And it, it makes you feel like you're, you know, in been invited into a tent for which you are you do not deserve to be in. And it, and it, I really, really love that. So, yes, I'm, I'm definitely an accomplice uh, for First Nations, for all different uh, oppressed groups. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Connect with Confidence. I'm so excited about this conversation because it's going to be all things meaningful. You know that I'm really about meaningful conversations, especially this year, but have been for years. And I just love that every conversation I have with Shamsali is meaningful. It's moving us both forward. And as we share it with you, we are moving more um, possibilities and people forward. So welcome, Shamsa. Thank you, Carrie. I'm very excited to chat with you as well. I feel like every conversation with you is positive and I feel like I hear you all the time listening to a podcast, but it's nice to actually be speaking with you. Oh, thank you. See, I don't really know who's listening to my podcast quite often, but I, I feel like I'm just in a conversation with friends. Like I'm having this chat, this cup of tea with you and our friends can listen in and when they choose to do that and sometimes they send feedback and it's just extraordinary. I'm so appreciative of this opportunity and and again thankful to Lyndon who at the start of the pandemic said it's time for you to do a podcast and I'm like no 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 it's just you know so lovely and it's such an honor that I'm on other people's podcasts and he's like you just have to show up for the conversations you do that anyway let me do the production and everything so (laughs) shout out to Lyndon but yeah I really appreciate you being here because you have such a beautiful presence on LinkedIn you have such a busy life and Should we just say, this is take two of a conversation. So we did record one last year and then couldn't share that particular recording. So I love that we're having a do-over because I have to confess, I was a bit of a fangirl, you know, because, uh, you know, if you, what's that quote? Like if you can 
grow up to be anything, be yourself. But if you can't be yourself, be Shamsali. You know, I've heard oh. that. <laughs> I've heard that about like Captain Janeway or um, you know, other impressive characters. But uh, yeah, I really admire the work that you've done in the Air Force, the um, the leadership that you've shown so many younger veterans and you're such an asset to the team there. And now we've seen you move to Deloitte and you know, I want to hear about the extraordinary work that you're doing there too. But just this morning, I saw something amazing on your LinkedIn and that was a post about your sister. So here's your moment to just do a little brag. <laughs> tell us about what she's been up to and tell us about your family because last week you were doing an extraordinary post about your husband Hayden who's just been doing extraordinary things also. Um, it's funny when you say, you know, grow up to be shamsley. I mean, if you want to grow up to be a overworked, overtired, 30-year-old mother with a weak pelvic floor, then absolutely, uh, yes. But I, <laughs> I think, I, I, I think um, you know, some days I would like to escape a little bit as well and not be myself. But, I mean, my family is, is wonderful as well. And it's interesting because we've all dispersed to the four corners of the globe. Um, I, I often forget that they are my family. My family is, you know, a global family now of mostly military people and uh, but my actual biological family are wonderful too and they all have their individual incredible stories. But my sister who you're referring to, my younger sister, and I always forget she's younger than me, she, uh, like me, has a real social justice lens and that came from my mum. She's a social justice coordinator at a university in Western Australia Um but she, the, the the things that we saw growing up and the things she exposed us to planted those seeds for social justice and we've both gone on to fulfil that in our own ways uh, in both very different, almost the opposite way. Um, but my sister, she started her career as a, uh, uh, she, she studied sustainable development. She worked in the West Bank um, empowering Palestinian women to understand their, their rights then she went on to study the LSE, LSE, London School of Economics, and studied human rights there and then decided um, that law would be a nice way to tie a bow around all of that. So after doing some work with um, the uh, Canadian Council of Muslims, or I've, I've probably got that name wrong, um, she did a whole bunch of work with them as well. And then she just finished her Juris Doctor in Canada in, in human rights law. And so the way that she sees that she can best make her impact on the world is through the legal system. Mine was, the, you know, when she was in the West Bank, you know, um, helping women, uh, women be liberated from, you know, oppressive military rule. I was in the military. Um, so that's kind of the, the irony. But you can absolutely have a, a social impact in the military, especially the Australian Defence Force. And that's what draws so many people to that work. Yeah. Um, so we both sort of come to it from different angles. But it's nice to be able to share in, in her award that, that she was presented with today. Oh, that's so beautiful. And uh, and then give us a snapshot into your husband's world and then we need to get your story too. <laughs> uh, my husband is a really cool story of human potential and what happens when people um, say no to society's expectations of them um, and are supported by good mentors. My husband, very briefly, blue-collar upbringing, um, joined the Air Force as a soldier, uh, Air Force Defence Guard essentially, a soldier-type role found God, went to Afghanistan, realised that um, all the chaplains in the military that he had come across were um, middle-aged white men and decided that that wasn't representative of the population that needed them and saw a real need for, for those for those seasoned um, religious ministers but also for um, the next generation that know what it's like to have lived experience um, in the military 
And so he, you know, wanted to increase that diversity. And I laughed because he's still a white man. The only thing he added was really the age diversity, perhaps. But anyway, um, so he then, you know, society told him, you know, you're a soldier. Your job is just to be a physical body. Um, he then went to uni. He tops Australia for his undergraduate. He then tops Australia for his master's. Um, and he self-taught himself Koine Greek, so um, the Greek that's in the Bible, um, self-taught written spoken. Um, and now has just begun his PhD in early church history um, on a scholarship. So that's an incredible story of someone who just saw potential in their life and wanted to push forward. Um, and, yeah, I'm very, very proud of him as well. That's just amazing. And uh, so I w- when I read that post, you know, and I've seen his journey a little and, you know, I've had a few conversations with him and I just think, oh, my goodness, I just want to, like, sit down and have a conversation with him for hours. <laughs> I think we could have I want to look at Hayden's worldview, and a lot of people listening um, probably fall into one of the two categories that he and I fall into. So I want to change the world, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. So I'm like, I need to do these big things and change the world in these really big ways. And what he says, which is probably what you would say also, um, is that he, he changes the world every single day because he steps into someone's life and is there for them in their hour of need and that is absolutely world changing for that person whether it's a mother who's just had to have a a medical abortion whether it's um, a man who's decided not to kill himself today whatever it is whatever that pastoral care role is in that person's life that's him changing the world for that person and it doesn't have to be in these big systemic change ways although that's where my focus is especially the DNI world um, for him, it's just about connecting with humans. And that's why I love, Kerry, what you put out into the world and the story that you tell and, and you know, reading your first book as well. Just little moments that matter make a difference. And those little moments together are what change the world. So I really love that. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting that we, yeah, we can be daunted by what somebody else is doing to be changing the world and so I relate to that in looking at your story and your amazing posts on LinkedIn and and that's not even you know really showing all the work that you're doing but I've connected with some extraordinary people in your world Um, and thank you for that extraordinary series of posts that you did for International Women's Day hashtag my IWD tribe (laughs) that was extraordinary I just um I I realize there's all these incredible women you never get to hear about. Well, I mean, incredible humans, but you know, in the spirit of International Women's Day, um, and we don't all have to be, you know, in some positions of power. This we just all know incredible. I mean, your network. I I would love to have lunch with everyone in your network because you <laughs> have incredible people around you and you seek them out. But what I thought is, what I can do, what can I do to show the diversity of women's strength in the world? And one thing I can do is share with people the women that I, I see every day making that difference. So it was this very simple short post, the 30 days leading up to International Women's Day and a hashtag at my IWD tribe. And it was just about showcasing women in my life that were making a difference in some way. And it was really, really fun. <laughs> it was amazing. And yeah, I was shocked to see that I was like day two. Um, you were day two, yes. You would have been day one, uh, but the co-founder of Propel Her um, Defence Women's Leadership Series, Lindsay Freeman, she you know demanded to be day one. So you had to be day two, but you know, <laughs> number one to me, Kerry. Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, let's hope Lindsay doesn't hear that. But I love what you and Lindsay have created. And, uh, yeah, and just knowing the the calibre of women in your world, I was just kind of shocked to be in there. So thank you. Um, 
And thank you for all the, the friends that have like come out of that. There's, you know, invitations to long lunches in Canberra next time I'm there and you know, lots of conversations. I met up with somebody in Brisbane, um, Anna Maria Lang, who is just extraordinary. And I'm currently writing in her, she gave me a couple of her books and her gratitude journal. I'm using that every day, just carrying it around. We had the most amazing conversation in Brisbane. So um, one thing that you've also been talking about a lot on LinkedIn and, and I know in your work is you know, being a good ally. And I think we're going to have to do two podcasts. This is like part one. So maybe people can like send questions, like tell Shams to talk more about this or that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been thinking about the work that you're doing, which maybe you can just, you just take over from here. You just tell us what you're up to and what you've been learning and how you're challenging us to think differently and bigger and more compassionately and empathetically and proactively. Mm. One of the very strong First Nations leaders in my life today um, said, Shamsa, stop using the word ally. It makes you sound like you're some Western Melbourne hippie. Um, <laughs> use the word accomplice uh, because, you know, we're, we're going to be achieving these things together and we need you as an accomplice. And I, I was like, yes, I love that. And it, it makes you feel like you're, you know, in been invited into a tent for which you are you do not deserve to be in. And, and it, I really, really love that. So, yes, I'm, I'm definitely an accomplice. Uh, for First Nations, for all different uh, oppressed groups. But, I mean, the work I'm doing now, you know, moving from 13 years in the military um, into Deloitte, into, you know, what would be stereotypically a, a, a gross big capitalist sector, um, I'm very, very thankful that Deloitte um, saw my skills as useful in the space of the intersection between social impact uh, DE&I, so diversity, equity, inclusion, but also with an operational focus. Um, so, you know, I'm not an academic in diversity, equity, inclusion. I don't have a master's degree in Aboriginal affairs, but what I do have is an understanding of how levers that you pull in that side of a business will have an operational effect. And I And I do speak with my clients who understand that no longer can we have uh, social impact or ESG or DEI in little academic corners of a firm or an organization or a sector or a government department anymore. It is now woven through the fabric of our organizations, whether intentionally or not. And so, what are we now going to do about it? So, now the onus is on us, the people who have been in power for way, way, way too long, to say, all right, how are we rebalancing this power now? You know, it's not about the word empower. That's crap. Empowerment is almost like I have all this power and I'm going to um, bestow my hand upon you to help pull you up. It's actually about the rebalancing of that power. Like I have had power that has been violently taken in some cases. It is now the responsibility of the, to recognise the privilege I have and rebalance that. And that translates, to, and, and I say we as in, you know, a lowercase w because, you know, of course, as a woman, I experience gender inequity, but also as a white presenting woman, um, I have immense amount of privilege um, compared to maybe one, some of my sisters of colour that don't have that. So it's so now the question is, okay, well, how are we redesigning systems to make them more inclusive? How mm. are we now redesigning the way society operates to make it more inclusive um, and moving beyond this sort of concept of, um, you know, fluffy diversity, equity, inclusion that makes people feel good? to actually how are we redesigning organisations, how are we redesigning society to increase increase business value. That's going to happen anyway because consumers are going to put their, they put their money where their heart is now, but also to make a more 
a better society. Yeah. Mm. You know, which can feel really daunting, especially to someone like me who doesn't work in big organisations like you do. Although sometimes I have a seat at the table for a short time, but it's really about how we listen to each other, isn't it? Like it's got to start with listening and self-awareness. Like what assumptions and judgments am I making? What, am I, what assumptions am I bringing to the table that I need to set aside and, and really listen? Tell us what you've learned about listening in the past year yeah. or so. It's interesting because um, and I spoke about this when I did a keynote for NHS Women's Day with um, Defence Housing Australia, and one of the questions was, how can I be a better ally? You know, how can that person be a better ally? And I said, ask them what they need you to do. It starts with shutting up and listening yeah. and taking out, um, you know, there's the concept of tone policing as well um, where we try to not get too passionate and excited for fear of scaring off, you know, decision makers. And I probably live my 20s like that. Um, but now what I've realised is you get one chance to make a difference in this world, you get one chance to make an impact and you have one chance to be the ally that they need you to be or the accomplice they need you to be. Mm-hmm. So shut up, uh, listen, ask them what they what they need, what's not working and then do everything you can with the power you've been given in whatever area that is to make that difference. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, I don't have influence you know I'm not a manager or I'm I'm just a whatever just a line worker just a whatever and I think well that's kind of crap because you can absolutely influence directly what's around you um, and you are responsible for that climate around you and that there's a quote that I've used a lot this year for International Women's Day which which I coined but that I've been rolling out all the time because I think it's so simple which is you are responsible for the climate around you are you comfortable with the temperature others feel? You know, you're setting that temperature. Yeah. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I've seen that on LinkedIn quite a few times, which is, which is great because I think we need to think about that, um, yeah, from a few different angles. Mm-hmm. And, and unless we slow down and really listen to each other, we can be quite comfortable with what other people are experiencing because we're unaware of it. But when mm-hmm. we start tuning in and becoming aware, then we're like, yeah, okay. How can I how can I be more supportive? How can I how can I help? And um, I think by also recognizing that the systems that we exist in. So with the First Nations piece, you know, unless you're First Nations, you are here uninvited on unceded land. And you exist in a colonial patriarchal system and that was created to support you know, white men essentially and, you know, um, apologies to any white man listening saying, hang on a second, um, you know, hopefully you can recognise the privilege that you've had in your life that other people around you have not um, and it doesn't mean you haven't worked hard. It doesn't mean you haven't earned the things that you, you've you got but what it does mean is that you can recognise that you perhaps have had it a little bit easier. You've had, you've had a few less systemic barriers. You know, an Indigenous man is more likely to end up in jail than get a university degree. Um, and there's a whole bunch of systemic reasons for that. So it's just about recognising that and calling it out and thinking, all right, what am I going to do now about that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, something that I've been aware of more recently also is, you know, the overwhelm of, like, everyone's online wanting to make a difference in the world and, you know, following what's going on around the world, feeling helpless and and what can I do? but and it's uncomfortable like it 
it hurts to see what's going on when we allow ourselves to. Uh, so do you have times where you get completely overwhelmed by the injustice, the, the stuff that you see going on around you? Yeah, and I mean, I get this, um, you know, I sit on a not-for-profit um, for Carry On Victoria. It's the largest um, housing crisis provider for homeless veterans in Victoria. And the homelessness problem gets me a bit like this because I think, gosh, we're a tiny little not-for-profit or we're not that small, but in the scale of the problem, we're small. Um, you know, how are we even making a difference? How, how do we do that? And I think it comes back to having that theory of change as an, if you think about it from an organisation point of view, saying, okay, what is the problem we're trying to solve um, and how do we, or that the sector is trying to solve and how are we contributing in our way and what um, assumptions need to be true for us to have the impact we've defined as having and then how do we influence those? And so what I try to, maybe that's my systems background and my logistician background, but I try to, frame it into a problem of okay what is the impact I'm trying to make and how do I contribute to it and then how can I influence that um, and it kind of makes it smaller and more chunkable um, but I, I mean I, I've learned just to lean into it to lean into the fact that we live in a broken world that you know there's a lot of power imbalance there's a lot of sadness um, and do you know what like pretending that there's not is not helpful but also as an empath feeling all the feels is not helpful either um, and I think that the best thing to do is to find those like-minded people that you can sort of decompress with um, and then kind of get back on the horse and keep going that's me personally I'd be really interested to see what some of your listeners do to cope with that because I think that's a really real thing for a lot of empaths and a lot of people who are called to social justice I don't know what, what about you how do you sort of deal with that problem yeah, I'm just thinking of something Brene Brown said last night. Well, I was listening last night. And, yeah, I just really related. We, we start to, to pull back. And I think we, we need to at times to, yeah, decompress, to process. You know, if we're just on the front line all the time, then we get fatigued and that's where we can get into trouble and then not, not be able to show up for others. So there is that really important um, element of tuning in to ourselves and taking the breaks that we need. I mean, you've been on the front line. To, you know, tell us from a, a veteran perspective. I know um, something that I learned from a World War II veteran actually was about napping when you can. And, um, and Ethan, my son, said one day, oh, yeah, it's called tactical naps. You know? <laughs> so, can you share with us a bit of your experience with that you know, as a, as a frontline veteran? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, something I've learned about leadership as well is when you're trying to push a team to perform at a high standard over a long period of time without rest, which I've had to do in a number of random occasions all around the world, is that, you know, you've got to create a sense of trust with your team so that they know that when you're pushing them, that rest is coming and that you will rest them and you won't work them unnecessarily. But then when the work is on, it's on. Um, and so what I learned from that is that the most important aspect of all that is, is trust and building a culture where they understand that you're looking out for them. You know, I've been, um, you know, like mothers and fathers have entrusted their kids in, you know, under my, my, my leadership in these kind of environments. And so I have that responsibility to them. So um, I was just, you know, bloody tired the entire time. But I also knew that I had people that um, I was reporting to who were looking after my well-being too. Um, and so I think that's that culture of trust that's really important. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of us are working on our own. A lot of entrepreneurs and mm. creatives are, are listening to this podcast too. And so we might not have someone saying like, hey, how long since you've had a rest? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it reminds me of Andrea Edwards, who's one of my um, dear friends and a guest on this podcast also. She is relentless in sharing information that helps us become more aware of what's going on in the world and how can we help. Mm. And, you know, and she'll share, I just need to take a break. And, and she reminds us also to, to take a break. But, uh, yeah, so I think being in a community, whatever that looks like, maybe it's a LinkedIn community, maybe it's, um, you know, getting on the phone with somebody and yeah, really just being honest with where you're at. So we've got to be honest with ourselves first and then honest with each other. And we don't have to be on the front line all the time, <laughs> you know, because when, we're, when we take a step back, we can reflect, we can, like I've been journaling a lot lately. I feel like I haven't really done much this year. <laughs> it's like now, now I'm getting started. Now I'm ready to get started in 2022. <laughs> but there's been a lot of, reflection time a lot of journaling and and I think a lot of recovering we've got to give mm. ourselves grace for that mm. we need to have empathy um, for ourselves because if it was somebody else and if we understood burnout if we understood um, compassion fatigue then we would say to them like you know what take a break there's other people working hard and they'll need a break too but you know take a break while you can it's really interesting, you know, being a sole trader or being, you know, having a very small a micro business or a small business because um, that's how my, you know, I watched my dad go from, you know, working for the man as a Palestinian immigrant coming to Australia and working as a fitter and turner to then going, do you know what, I, w- I want to do something else. I want to work for myself. I-, I see that there's more to the Australian dream than working in a factory forever. So he borrowed a lawnmower. He mowed the school ovals for free to teach himself how to be like the best lawnmower ever. Started a small gardening company. That's now a multi-million dollar business, a multi-million waste company. I watched him grow that, you know, and I, I watched us really struggle with finances. My mum was doing a PhD at the same time and I watched him really believing in what he was creating. And the thing is when you're running a micro-business, you're creating something in the world that doesn't previously exist. You know, you're bringing it into the world. And I think probably a lot of your listeners put put a burden put that burden on their backs so heavily and feel the weight of their own expectations mostly um and so what you're saying is such a good point and applying that lens of being a micro business or a sole trader how are you looking after yourself because if you fall under under that weight you know you're not helping anyone then are you um so I watched my dad go through that but at the same time it's hard to say just take a break because I know that you're all so bloody passionate about what you're doing um, and you will work 24-7 until you know it's accomplished so it's a really unique challenge I can't can only imagine the burnout and then you've been doing it all with your kids and husbands and, and wives all working at home um, you know in, in, in your home office which previously was just your space so that's probably been really frustrating also. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's things that, that get in the way when we are taking a break and maybe it's like scrolling, you know, through Instagram or whatever, that's not mm-hmm. actually a break. It's, it's so important that we look at what does rest and regeneration actually look like? Mm-hmm. Because we can feel like we're taking time out and not be taking time out. So I'm very happy to have more conversations with people about that. Um, because yeah, it's an absolute, um, you know, journey. It takes time to unpack how do I how do I do life well? <laughs> I'm, you know, a few years down the track from your chef, so I'm still figuring this thing out. Um, and I think, you know, we're continuing. They're lifelong lessons. 
um, the future of work is really exciting about this so you know COVID has opened up the concept of four-day work weeks you know hybrid working models and and this is kind of an opportunity here now and the you know my clients that get it are the ones that say I'm now redefining the what how and when of work and I'm going to let my team tell me what it's going to look like and so I'm really hoping that we're on a catalyst of a movement here you look at things like Dr Nelson's you know work school hours hashtag yes and, and those kind of things. So I'm hoping that conversation is changing because, yeah, we're all tired and burnt out, but it's because we're living in a system that was created um, with the understanding that there was a caretaker at home full time, that nine to five, one person was in the workplace and one person at home, and we know that's not happening anymore. But yet we're still expected to work those hours even though our lives don't look like that. Um, so I'm hoping there's system change because the owners shouldn't necessarily be on, be on the ones that are oppressed by the system, but I'm also hoping there's a... There's a a conversation about what does productivity actually look like now post-COVID, yeah. Yes, and this is the second time just in this conversation that I've wanted to <laughs> comment on Brene's podcast this morning. <laughs> so I'm going to put that particular podcast in the, the show notes here so people can go and access that, but that's exactly what she was talking about. And, yeah, we are moving towards a different way of working and we have had a different way of working for the last two years. Like, mm. There's no, okay, back to normal. It's like, how do, we, how do we do this well from here? We've learned so much. We've experienced so much. Everybody's carrying so much grief and uncertainty. And, you know, there's big stuff to deal with. And it's kind of great because we're having honest conversations about stuff that really matters. Mm. I think, you know, when you talked about veteran homelessness, um, most people probably wouldn't even think of that as being a thing. I think a lot of people who are not connected with, you know, defence people mm. um, might have no idea of what a lot of people go through and, you know, maybe you can share more about that. And especially, you know, this, we're going to share this around Anzac Day. Uh, so in Australia that's, that's a big deal and we're seeing veterans marching in the streets and I always used to march with my granddad in Sydney uh, and... I guess it's this one day where people are more aware and and November 11th, which is, what's it called in the US? Veterans Day. There's like these moments where we're kind of like, oh yeah, this is, this is um, you know, another part of our society, but people are not really tuned into what that world looks like. <laughs> and in Victoria, you know, um, veterans are twice as likely to be homeless as non-veterans. And as the thing about veteran homelessness is it's very complex and we don't have time to cover it today. But essentially, you know, someone in the military, when they leave the military, it's not like leaving an, any other job. You, it's a complete identity um, shift. And I've just gone through that myself, you know, leaving the military, moving to consulting. And I did that on my own terms in a relatively mentally healthy way. But if you're forced out of the military before you feel like you've reached your expiry date, if you're medically discharged, your full identity is taken away from you. There's a huge piece that happens there and a lot of them just lose a lot of hope. And that then translates into things like not wanting to apply for new jobs. So then they're unemployed and then they don't have the means to maintain their housing. Um, and so you can easily see how there's a spiral that happens that ends up with a veteran who, you know, was signed up to dedicate their actual life to their country, ends up not having a place to sleep. Um, mm. And so that it, it really um, upsets me and it's, it's a very complex social issue mm. and that's why we talk about you know what can you do well what can I do I can add my skills to this not-for-profit who's trying to make a difference um yes yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting yeah and I think you know what can we do as civilians you know something that's really broken my heart recently 
probably a number of times when I've seen it, but particularly with the floods and, you know, ADF personnel going and supporting, you know, Operation Flood Assist. Mm. And, and then expectations of people like, why weren't you here yesterday? And not understanding the whole process of government. And <laughs> it's like, I, I know that you guys, you can do logistics like nobody else. <laughs> you can be there in a heartbeat, but you've got to wait for the go ahead. That's right. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I'm just like, I would love to see more community appreciation for our veterans. And it's just awful to see so much criticism online, but it really happens to so many people that stick their neck out, they're helping, and then they're judged for not helping in the right way. Well, I mean, the intersection I sit on with Propel Her, um, our blog, I mean, that's the veteran and female space. So you can imagine the trolling that comes on from that. But, you know, just letting it roll off you. But um, it's definitely there's a larger society conversation that needs to happen about how we look after our veterans and how we look after our First Nations and how we look up, you know, just recognising that we don't have systems set up to support the most vulnerable in our community. And, and especially, you know, women as being an intersectional feminist and you and gender advisor and a lot of the work I do around uh, women, um, you know, First Nations women, I mean, that's an intersection, you know, we're absolutely oppressed. Um, and just, just, it just starts with recognising it. Like if you're listening to this and there's a few concepts that you haven't heard of before, um, just, having a look, just having a look at the history of this country, just researching about, um, you know, women's rights in Australia or, or First Nations background and, and the history of colonisation. You're just getting, just becoming more educated on the world around you. Just by doing that, you're becoming, you're making a difference because you're, you're allowing yourself to recognise the privilege that you live in. And then, then the next question is, okay, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you're going to love the podcast that's coming out just before this one with Leanne Clark, who has been, she's started something called Voices of Women. And so when I first met her at one of her events, there were amazing First Nation women sharing their story or somebody was performing their story as, an, as a monologue. Mm-hmm. And gosh, it was an eye-opener for me. It was, you know, stories of things that happen to people in our region and and their resilience and their grace and they, yeah, and some of them are, in the in her team performing stories and it was just incredible so anyway that's a great episode so if you haven't heard last one then go listen to last one (laughs) um you know and these conversations continue and like i said this year i want to have lots of meaningful conversations that move us all forward um i would just love to hear a little more about propel her because i think that's extraordinary what you've created with Lindsay. so can you just give us a couple of minutes on that and i know you've got like such a full day so we um yeah, that, that means that I can, you know, cut it short today and then get you back for another time. <laughs> and I think we'll, you know, take a deep dive next time as well. I'm really proud of Propel Her, but not for, I'm not proud of it because of the reasons I thought I was going to be proud of it. Um, so it first started with, I connected on LinkedIn. There you go, Kerry, LinkedIn, um, <laughs> with Major Lindsay Freeman. And she's a, she's currently deployed as a UN peacekeeper in Jerusalem at the moment. She's incredible. Um she, her and I were lamenting that there was no space for, uh, there was no resources online for female military members and the unique intersection that we have in the leadership and career development space. There's lots of stuff about how to be an awesome guy in the military. And there's a few things on, you know, women in the military, mostly in a US context, but there's nothing in an Australian context. So I'm a leadership coach and I've got a little bit of background in, 
you know, other related things. And so did Lindsay. So we put together a series of eight articles just talking about mentoring in the military as a woman, personal branding in the military, goal setting, all these things that are unique to um, women in the military that don't look the same as if you're not in the military. Um, and then we had a whole bunch of resources with it as well. Anyway, we published it um, on a website that is also run by a badass female lieutenant colonel. And we didn't, we sort of just left it. And then we started getting uh, really good feedback internationally. But um, we started getting emails from women saying, hey, I've got some thoughts. Could I maybe publish them on your platform? And what we realized was we'd accidentally curated this inclusive safe space in the professional military education um, you know, Weververse, where women felt like they could have a voice sometimes for the first time. And so we began publishing these articles for women. And now essentially we are a publishing platform for, for women in the military or women who or people that want to contribute to the advancement of women in the military through career development conversations. Um, and we've had incredible people posting. And actually, um, by the time this is released, I know that Dr. Nelson, who is the hashtag work school hours, and a, and a veteran and an incredible woman. She's uh, got an article coming out maybe today or tomorrow. Um, so we've got really, really interesting people on our platform. And I, I love it because we've actually created a community that's bigger than Lindsay and I, and it was never about us anyway. Um, and now we can sort of step back and allow the, that, that next generation of people to keep taking over. Um, and what I love is that just started with a simple idea. That just started with us identifying a problem thinking, what can we do to make a difference, something really small? Um, and now it's the most read career development resource in Australia for defence women. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what I would say to people listening is that it doesn't have to be something huge. It could literally be something as putting some stuff online um, and, and now we've created something awesome. So, yeah. I love that. And just coming back to connecting with confidence, I think a lot of people have got these stories that they want to share or this blog idea that they've got and it's, it takes courage to press publish <laughs> or to upload or whatever that is. But it is so important that you share your voice and your story and your questions and start engaging with people about what matters most. And, uh, and it's different for everyone. You know, there's, I mean, there's so many different aspects of social justice that you're across. And I mean, I think you are so incredibly capable. <laughs> I mean, like you said, exhausted. We can talk about that more later. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just if we just pick the the thing that is, you know, bugging us at the moment or that's like just, you know, keeping us awake or inspiring us and we find ourselves in conversation about to just take the plunge with whatever you feel inspired to do. And uh, yeah, it's just beautiful to hear. And to see, I've, I've witnessed Propel Her just turning up everywhere online. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, which just reminded me, we connected on LinkedIn and it was probably back in 2014, 2015. I'm not sure if you'd remember, but I'm like, oh, my goodness, here's this amazing, you know, woman veteran who's in, I think you were in Adelaide at the time. Mm. And it was the coaching connection. And I'm like, oh, my grandma was in the Air Force. And I'm like, and my son wants to be in the Air Force. And then you were like so supportive. And did you get some mail from me just recently? I posted a little something because I thought I can't just text you this message. I have to like actually write something. Did that turn up? I got a beautiful handwritten letter by Kerry. And it's always surprising when you get handwritten letters in the mail that's not a bill. I don't know, Kerry, you're, you're a dying breed of people that write handwritten letters. And it was beautiful to receive that. 
um, that you put your soul down to send to me. Thank you so much. Well, it could be a dying habit for me, but I'm like working at like, so I, posted, <laughs> I posted 300 letters on Monday. I'm like, yes, that's kind of my accomplishment for the week. Um, it, yeah, it does really matter. Um, but yeah, I was, I was like, I can't just put these words into a text because I've seen your ripple effects. So the thing with ripple effects is that mostly they're behind you. You know, you're just, you're just moving wow. forwards and there's all of these ripple effects behind you. But hearing and seeing mentoring in defence with young people, that really is what you modelled a number of years ago. And, um, you know, so, of course, there's proud mum moments in there, but also seeing it, you know, in a bigger picture. It's because uh, I know that you would have helped so many people and, yeah, so many of your connections that I've now connected with since your My IWD Tribe posts, um, you know, we really all appreciate the support and mentoring that you've given so many people and it is a massive ripple effect. So it doesn't really matter what our sphere is, but if we can just be giving and offering support to somebody who's, you know, maybe a year or two or 10 years behind, that can have such a profound impact. So, mm. um, yeah, whether it's like big stuff like you're doing in companies or, you know, one-on-one like your husband Hayden we can all be making a difference in people's lives. And I just love that you've come to share some time with me and talk about this. And yeah, I feel like we've probably opened lots of cans of worms, but it's like good stuff to delve into. <laughs> so questions are welcomed and I'll get Shamsa back for another conversation. Um, she's smiling. So I think that's a yes. <laughs> we'll have you back sometime soon, Shamsa. Is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up? Um, I I just probably want to say as a listener as well, Kerry, um, thank you for the work that you're doing in this podcast. It's so hard when you think, okay, I've got a half hour driving to work. What podcast am I going to listen to? And there's so much pressure to listen to something that's really highbrow so you can say to people, oh, yes, I listen to this very intellectual thing. Um, but for me, this these kind of podcasts are the ones that make a difference because they challenge you to think in new ways and, and see the world in new ways and also just meet incredible humans that you interview that then we get to learn about and meet we feel like we're meeting them too so um thank you for that and thanks for having me on and i'm definitely happy to come back there's so much more we could talk about i know um but i i respect everyone's time so um thank you so much for having me on yeah thank you and uh, and thank you dear listeners for joining us with your cup of tea or your driving time or walking time so have a great week go connect with confidence and authenticity and uh, we'll see you again soon Mwah.